Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So you may remember on yesterday's show that we talked about, there are some things about George that make it a little bit different than the other kind of perennial contenders in college football. And some of that, I think, is what leads to what I think we would describe as, at times, a little bit of an unreasonable level of doubt as it relates to UGA. Now, I am really, really trying when we have this conversation not to kind of go down the path of uh, media hates my team or so-and-so doesn't give my team a chance because we've all kind of been there. We've all kind of felt that. Anybody who is a fan, I remember being a kid when the Braves first made the playoffs my, for the first time in my lifetime and watching Tim McCarver call those games back then, the World Series on CBS, and you sort of felt like, gosh, these announcers just hate my team. And I was feeling that way as a young kid and at different times in our lifetime. We kind of always feel like the announcers, whoever the announcer is, we kind of always feel like the announcers hate our team. And I'm trying not to do that here because I honestly don't believe there is any large scale hatred of George on the part of ESPN or CBS or anybody who does this. But I do believe, and I told you this yesterday, that part of the story about why Saturday was so intense the response of Georgia players on the field, the response of the fans around the stadium, why that entire day was so intense was because I believe there had been a little bit of an unreasonable disregard of Georgia. A lot of folks thought this was going to be a coronation for Tennessee and that Georgia was simply the other team in the game. That seems ridiculous to think now, but a lot of folks, and you know this, thought that going into the game. And I would tell you that it wasn't just leading into Georgia-Tennessee where that was true. Go back before the start of the season. How many times did you hear me say with Georgia kind of obviously slotted as the third best team in the country behind Ohio State and Alabama? How many times did you hear me say I've got no problem with any individual who thinks Alabama is better than Georgia or any individual who might think Ohio State's better than Georgia? At the beginning of the season, that seemed like a reasonable point of view. What seemed really weird to me was, and I repeated this you know, pretty frequently, what seemed to be pretty weird to me was the idea that it's a unanimous opinion. Suddenly, everyone's sure that the reigning national champs are no better than the third best team to begin this season. That to me seemed like an unreasonable level of certainty about what Georgia was. And I think in retrospect, uh, the point we made back then kind of seems correct. And so what I told you I wanted to do some this week is talk a little bit about what makes Georgia hard to understand. What makes Georgia hard to embrace from some of the people who want to give opinions for a living? And one of the things we talked about yesterday was the idea of complimentary football. If you missed yesterday's show, hope you'll go back and listen to it. That at Georgia, offense helps defense, defense helps offense. And, you know, defensive line helps linebackers, linebackers help, you know, defensive secondary, and everybody sort of works together. And if you're really doing complimentary football well, that means they're like 30-something players, if not more, who are really, really important to the outcome of a game. And here's what you know, that people kind of embrace simplicity. If you're trying to sell, here's why you should watch this game, it's a lot easier to sell, hey, tune in and watch Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Vols. That's one name to remember. That's one idea. The quarterback who plays the best is going to win. But at Georgia, the brand of football that Kirby Smart pushes is just a little bit more complicated than that. It's Hey, you got to be aware of who's on the field when Georgia's in its nickel package and what kind of pass pressure you're getting and the rotation happening at left guard and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's just a lot to remember. And the average Georgia fan kind of laps all that up because he or she really loves this team and wants to get deep in the weeds on all those topics. 
But the average sort of like casual fan who's busy and, you know, kind of moving around, and not paying that much attention, that's just too much to keep up with. So if Georgia doesn't have the one big superstar face to put right there on that graphic next to Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Vols, well, then all of a sudden Georgia must be a lesser team because I've been trained to believe that great teams have superstar players. And that's one big name to remember. And Georgia just doesn't have that. And that's one of the reasons why I believe at times Georgia has been unfairly disregarded to begin this season and prior to the biggest game of this season against Tennessee this past Saturday. But there is another thing that I think is also true of Georgia that makes it kind of run upstream against kind of the cultural current of college football here right now, if you will. And it's one of those things that I think gives people a little bit of a pause of, or are we sure that Georgia's doing it the right way? No matter how much it's working, are we sure that Georgia's really doing it the right way if they are doing it so different than everybody else? And as a way of setting this up, I want to share some words with you here for a moment. Now, part of me, as much as I don't like to admit this, part of me just enjoys being spiteful every now and then. And part of me just sort of enjoys mocking people that you know we've kind of viewed as rivals to this Georgia program. Uh, obviously Alabama has been a big rival and Alabama has kind of fallen right now on sort of harder times than we're used to seeing the program getting uh, and having to endure here in the Nick Saban era. So part of what I'm about to do is just sort of good old fashioned, I guess, trolling or just, you know, kind of good old fashioned pettiness and spitefulness. It's kind of funny to see Alabama fans really unhappy and upset right now. I wish I wasn't that way. I wish I was a better person, but at times maybe I'm just not. But in addition to the sort of just sort of general spitefulness of ha ha ha, look how bad Alabama is right now. I think there's also kind of an important message here is that over the course of time, we have been told, "Ooh, Kirby Smart's too resistant to change. Kirby Smart's cut from an old school cloth. And that's never said in a positive light that somehow Kirby Smart is kind of this archetype of a brand of football that that no longer exists. And the willingness to evolve that other coaches have that makes them better than Kirby Smart. But I think some of us who are Georgia fans would say, "Ooh, I almost wonder if other programs aren't changing a little too much and are completely abandoning the the foundation that once made them great. And at a place like Alabama, who lost to LSU again on Saturday, I think you see some evidence that maybe that is true. Uh, you're going to like this, but I think there's an important point to get to about this. So Greg McElroy's former Alabama quarterback, still lives in Alabama, does the uh, radio show there in Birmingham on WJOX. In a Monday morning show, he went in hard on Alabama. And in doing so, I don't believe he did this intentionally, but in doing so, he actually paid Georgia a really, really big compliment. If you're a UGA fan, you're going to love this, but it's also kind of important because I think it helps explain why Georgia is sort of what it is right now and why that's sort of hard for some people to notice and maybe hard for some people to embrace, no matter how true it might be. This is Greg McElroy from WJOX radio station in Birmingham, Monday morning. Take a listen to this. These guys don't care. You can tell by their mannerisms. You can tell by how they celebrate out there every single freaking play. Every touchdown, you know, doing dances. and It's like you can tell. Like, go watch them practice. You watch them practice, it's not the way I would, not the way it was when I was in school. Guys doing stuff with their helmet off. I mean, it's like, I mean, dude, it's like, I mean, it's different. But, you know, it had to be. Sure. Because, you know, the modern-day player isn't as into that. They're not as into being coached hard. They're not as into being told that's not going to fly. That's not me, you know, yelling at the cloud. It's just the reality. If you want the team to look like it looked 10 years ago, lot needs to change and the type of players they're bringing in needs to change 
Because I can tell you this, you go to a Georgia practice, it doesn't look like it looks. It looks a lot like the practice that I grew up in. And those players play a lot like the players that I played with. Like it's that that team, they're cut from a different cloth. Why? I don't know. Maybe they haven't made maybe they don't they don't care so much about NIL. Don't get me wrong, they got it. Maybe they don't care as much about that. The culture's very firmly and clearly established there. They have great leaders within the program. Can you imagine how hard that must be for a former Alabama quarterback to have to say? And maybe more important than that, for a lot of Alabama fans listening on the radio two days after their team had lost LSU and kind of eliminated any chance they had for the most part of participating in the college football playoff, you know, winning a national championship. Can you imagine how hard that must be to hear that Georgia, the team that they used to sort of think they were always going to be better than, all of a sudden now has what they used to have? Players who are fully committed, practices that are preparing for greatness, and every step, every day being taken towards trying to compete and win championships. That Georgia now has that. It's on display during practice. And McElroy, who I'm assuming attends a good number of Alabama practices, says, I don't see that when I look in Tuscaloosa. I see players who are too worried about celebrating after big plays or too worried about their NIL or too worried about the whatever, the whatever, whatever. And they just don't have that anymore. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how tough that must be to hear those things if you're an Alabama fan coming from a quarterback who kind of knew what it was about when the Alabama program was first being established. Greg McElroy was a part of some of that initial success for Nick Saban, which laid the foundation for all the future success the program would have. And now this is his diagnosis of the current state with the Crimson Tide. If you're an Alabama fan, that must be very, very tough to hear. And by contrast, by the way, yesterday during his weekly press conference Kirby Smart was asked he was actually asked by Connor Riley who's going to join us here in a moment but he was asked one of the things that we would all say coming off the Tennessee game is Georgia won that game because it was the tougher team and in his post-game press conference on Saturday Kirby Smart said that one of the stories of the game was the ability to be physical just to go out there and be more physically tough than a team like Tennessee that's one of the ways in which you kind of got that win Well, Kirby was asked yesterday, you know, how do you cultivate that physical and mental toughness? And it wasn't necessarily asked in contrast to a place like Alabama, but the words that Smart uses are sharp contrast to what Greg McElroy says he sees at Alabama practices where that standard is just gone. Where they don't have that level of leadership. They don't have that level of commitment. They don't have that level of toughness. And a place like Georgia, how do you get that? Kirby Smart was very clear in his answer yesterday. Here's Kirby. speech before they come because I don't want to lie to them so tell them we're going to be in pads Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and uh, we're going to be physical and we're going to practice physical, we're going to be physical in the spring, we're going to be comfortable being physical so that's agreed upon when they come I think that's a really fascinating answer from Kirby Smart and I think one of the things that Kirby kind of intuitively understands and maybe he wouldn't say it this way but I think this what this uh sort of comment is leading to is that in life it's better to get a hard no than a soft yes in other words it's better to have people know at the outset oh george is not a program i want to be a part of it's better to have them know that clearly at the beginning as opposed to yeah i'll take a shot at georgia they love they're having some fun over there i'll go see if that program's for me 
only to find out that the that the expectations are too demanding and you don't really fit in too well here better to have a hard no and at times recruits have given georgia a hard no better to have a hard no than a soft yes somebody who shows up but doesn't understand the expectations and therefore can't be fully committed to all of that kirby smart says we hit we hit on tuesdays we hit on wednesdays we hit on thursdays we tell these guys hey you want to come here you're going to be in full pads and you're going to come here. You're going to be asked to hit. You're going to be asked to be physically tough, which kind of circles back around to what I was saying a moment ago. Why is it sometimes that people have a hard time understanding how good Georgia is are kind of in slow to embrace how good Georgia is? Beginning of the season, we saw that being true. Before the Tennessee game, we saw that being true. And I think all of this is sort of an example of that. Nick Saban has been celebrated as a hero because he's evolving to understand what football is now. And Kirby Smart sometimes, I think, unfairly sort of maligned as sort of a caveman. Uh, Kirby Smart's, you know, you know, cut from some old school cloth. He's not changing and getting with the times. Football is not supposed to be this physical anymore. There are a lot of people who want to take the physicality out of the game. It's not supposed to be this physical anymore. At one point in time, the archetype of a great football coach was kind of like an army general, you know, kind of like, you know, somebody who would lead in war. That's kind of what you sort of thought of when you thought of football coaches. But as of late in recent years, think about the football coaches who've gained fame and gained, uh, you know, kind of respect and kind of admired. They're less like army generals and they're more like tech billionaires, right? Like think about Sean McVay, you know, younger looking guy, you know, kind of celebrated for being smart more so than for being just tenacious and tough. Not to say that he's not. I'm just saying that, that you're sort of celebrating the cerebral part of this a little bit more. I would say Ryan Day at Ohio State's a little bit kind of like that too, where it's like the archetype of the current football coach, a sort of young guy, stubbly beard, who's a diabolical genius, how he's drawing up mastermind type plays on a, on a dry erase board somewhere, and he understands the analytics, and he's blah, 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 blah. That's kind of the new archetype of a football coach. It's more tech billionaire than, than, than old school leader of men like an army general. And Kirby Smart just stands as a sharp contrast to all that, which is not to say that he's not smart or anything like that. You understand the point that I'm making. But if you're drawing a simple caricature, Kirby is a little bit more of what football coaches used to be and not quite so much with the current current of what uh, football coaches seem to be moving in, in the direction of right now. And I think it makes, you know, Georgia at times easy to, to disregard and say, well, if they're so not on trend, they must be likely to lose because a team like Tennessee feels very, very trendy and very, very hot coming into a game like Saturday. And I think that kind of helps explain how come it is that Georgia's always seemingly having to prove itself, no matter how many times it has proved itself in the uh, recent past. And when you listen to Greg McElroy over in Alabama or Alabama fans who would probably echo some of what McElroy saying, the stuff that Kirby has at Georgia in Tuscaloosa right now, they really miss it. And it's not to say that Georgia's going to be on top forever or Alabama will never be on top again. It's simply to take a snapshot of the current state of affairs and say the requisite toughness that all championship teams must have. Georgia has a lot more of that than a lot of the other programs, Alabama included, seem to have here at the moment. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start at 945 for our first and 15 on dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app after that. All right, no, same time. <laughs> dognation.com dognation app both taking place there at 945 for our first and 15 10 a.m after that on all the other platforms facebook and youtube and twitter and twitch and 
all of that for you there live on video radio noon athens sports radio 960 the ref podcast wherever you find them apple spotify worldfamousdognation.com talked about tech billionaires a moment ago we're thankful for them because they create these platforms we can do the show on so i guess they're at least good for something when it comes to that but nonetheless uh glad to have you with us as a part of it today and our friends at engineered solutions of georgia making it all possible now listen when it comes to your home and on saturday we saw georgia making itself quite at home duly fielded sanford stadium when it comes to your home anything that threatens much the same way the vols tried to invade athens on saturday if you've got things invading your home like water intrusion things like that hey this is where our friends and engineered solutions of georgia can step up and do great work for you uh they're longtime friends of ours here on dog nation daily they're proud partners of uga there as well so we certainly appreciate your support of them because of the way in which they've supported us we're grateful for that but if you're dealing with foundation issues waterproofing issues engineered solutions of georgia is just a name to know because they've got an unparalleled amount of resources they want to marshal for your benefit and go to work for you there an entire team of engineers on staff for instance there's nobody else in our market that can say they've got the same kind of thing ready to get to work for you there so all the more reason why you want to give engineered solutions a call the number easy to remember there as well 678 esog now 678 esog now so if you see water creeping in where it's not supposed to be you see cracks in your walls down there in your foundation your basement somewhere like that hey don't hesitate to find out what's really going on if it's a simple fix they'll tell you if it's some more substantial work than that then you want smart people doing it my friends over at engineered solutions of georgia they are definitely that so one more time give them a call 678 esog now that is 678 esog now and that'll get you in touch with engineering engineered solutions of Georgia. All right, before we're done, it's Jake Fromm. Uh, what was it like being Stetson Bennett on a day like this? And what did he think of Stetson? Uh, obviously, Jake will uh, have plenty to say on that, including, I guess, the uh, <laughs> very funny aftermath of all of this and the way in which Stetson was trolled by those Tennessee fans leading into the game. We'll get some stuff from Jake there on that today. And obviously, Connor Riley coming up here in a moment, too. What was happening in Athens yesterday, getting ready for the next big game for Georgia on the road at Mississippi State on Saturday. In fact, let's kind of transition to that now before we get to Connor. Let's do Around the Doghouse, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. I have to admit here is that on Saturday, when I think about the Mississippi State game, if you want to go back to prior to the year beginning, back in the summer, we talked about you know the season a lot, what we kind of expected. When folks would ask me, what's the toughest game that Georgia's going to play? I said, I think consistently every single time, I believe it's probably on the road at Mississippi State. And a lot has changed since then. We've learned a lot. We've seen a lot. And yet I'm still reminded of back when I kind of was of sort of fresh mind without any kind of recency bias or anything like that. This was a game I viewed to be pretty tough. So getting ready for it on Saturday, I think for Georgia, is obviously a really important thing. You can clinch the East by winning here on the uh, road turf of a West team. But but beyond all of that, it's just a next journey towards go for two and 22, something you've heard us talk about quite a lot. And by the way, Georgia will play in this game fresh off, getting patted on the back a bunch, something that sort of scares some of y'all and having that number one ranking next to its name. And Kirby was asked this week, OK, well, how do you shake off all of that? How do you push aside and ask the players who you know are going to see all this kind of stuff? How do you get them to push all this aside and get focused on the task at hand against the Maroon Bulldogs on Saturday? And this is what Kirby Smart had to say about that. We just don't talk about it much. I mean, we, we, they understand it's not—it's wasted energy when you 
talk about it and you guys want to write about it and do all that, I'm, I, you just focus on Mississippi State and, like, what do we have to do to play well against them? What do we have to do to play well on the road in the SEC? What, what, those are the focus. That That's nothing but a number and a distraction, and it's irrelevant. It just doesn't really matter. So I don't, you know, they see it, but – they don't, they don't get it discussed around here because I think the more you talk about it, the more attention you bring to it. So if Kirby says not talking about being number one, simply talking about playing Mississippi State and what has to be done to beat Mississippi State, well, in that case, what does have to be done to Mississippi State, uh, to beat Mississippi State? What should we know about Mike Leach's team for Saturday? And Kirby went into more detail about that yesterday too. Very different Really different two ways, different defensively. Uh, their defense coordinator does an incredible job, uh, different kind of scheme than we faced before. Uh, and then offensively, obviously, they're very different. Um, and people would probably think they're similar to Tennessee, but they're really not similar to Tennessee. So it's be kind of the third week of facing a different kind of offense uh, in terms of what they do offensively. And very, very few of our, our calls and schemes carry over uh from one week to the next when you play this offense yeah so my understanding of this is as kirby says you know schematically it's not similar to tennessee but i would say at least my feeling of this is it's somewhat similar from the standpoint that tennessee's a little bit of a particular team they do things sort of their own way which is different the way that most people do it i would say that mississippi state for a long time it's kind of been the same kind of thing these mike leach teams are just a little bit different uh than what you see on a sort of week-to-week basis and so when Kirby has been talking about some of the extra prep that Georgia's gotten, I think some people think, oh, that was just for Tennessee because Tennessee's so good. But the truth is, as we said weeks ago, that Georgia was probably also getting extra prep for Mississippi State around that same time because it's just a little bit different than what you normally expect. At times, even though the Mississippi State and Tennessee offenses are very different, Kirby's compared them both a little bit to sort of triple option style things, the sort of thing you don't see on a week-to-week basis. And so therefore, much the same way that Georgia got extra prep to get ready for Tennessee, my guess is they've sought out some extra prep to get ready for Mississippi State too. I think it's fair to assume they probably have done that. And then one more thing here, you know, we did see Mississippi State in Athens back in 2020. George was a huge favorite that day and was frankly lucky to win the game. How is this Mississippi State team that Georgia sees on Saturday maybe different from the one that came to Athens during the pandemic year of 2020? One more from Kirby breaking all that down. A lot more experienced quarterback. You know, that was the, the kickoff for him. And uh, he played really well in that game and um, kind of got a lot of confidence, uh, you know, playing against us. And he's, he's, I don't know how many games he's played since then, but a lot. He's broken a lot of records. Uh, he's very intelligent. He doesn't make mistakes. He, <clears throat> he uses Coach Leach's offense um, to his strength. And they understand, very similar to last week, triple options. They know who they are. They have answers for what they do. They're usually one step ahead of their answers than you are because you don't play against it but once a year, and they do it all the time. So uh, they have exposure to, to everything every defense has tried on them, and um, you know they're, they're, their quarterback's very experienced, and that's the biggest difference. Defensively, they may not be the same players they were because a lot of those guys are gone. They are extremely physical, disruptive. Um, defense coordinator does a, a great job. Uh, Zach Hart does a great job with it. So we do a fan-oriented show around here. I'm a fan. You're a fan. We speak as fans to each other. And so fan to fan, quick admission here for a moment. I think it's probably saying too much to say I'm worried about this game on Saturday, but I'll be happy to tell you this. All I care about is Georgia winning. 
this is not style point Saturday for me. This isn't like beauty contest Saturday for me. I'm not looking to see Georgia go up there and hang 50 points. I'd be happy if they did. I'm at least concerned enough about this game that I'll just be simply happy if they win. And and that's kind of enough for me on a day like this. It's not because Mississippi State's the best team in the world. They're clearly not. But it is a tough road spot. The night game makes it a little tougher. We said this before the start of this season. We must have been on to something back in the summer to have us believe this be the case. So I'm reminded now what we said all that time back then. And there's enough about Mississippi State to me to make you think, hey, you better go in there and be ready to be something close to your best on Saturday. And if you win, regardless of what the final margin of victory is, uh, take it as a good thing, own the East, claim that division title, and get ready for another road game next Saturday against Kentucky. This is a little bit of a challenging stretch here for Georgia, and finding the the sort of same level of mental toughness to move towards this portion of the schedule will really, in a lot of ways, be just as important as what was required to get ready for Tennessee last Saturday. So that's around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Of course, I am traveling to Starkville for the weekend. Many of you are there, too, or you're going to Lexington the following week after that. It's one of those things where the credit card just sort of gets swiped a lot this time of year, rental cars and hotels and starting to buy these holiday gifts and things like that. Well, when you're doing all of that, uh, great to have one of those Visa Signature and Platinum cards from our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union to make this stuff that you're already buying a more enjoyable experience because when you get one of those visa signature or platinum cards from Georgia's own credit and you're gonna get the chance to get some flex rewards which can be used for just about anything gift cards cash back travel merchandise so much more and you could even get up to $150 when you open a new platinum or signature card and there are some restrictions that apply so to find out more about all of this go to georgiasown.org that is georgiasown.org great to have Georgia's own credit union as a part of around the doghouse here today all right, we have a lot going on on today's show. Before we're done, it is Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback. You know he had a lot to say about – we'll, we'll have a lot to say about what happened against Tennessee, in particular the performance of Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense swinging some haymakers early. We'll find out from Jake about that before we're done. But for now, on what happened in Athens yesterday, getting ready for these Bulldogs, the aftermath of the win against Tennessee, let's cover all of that right now. Let's do a Kroger fresh take with Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Uh, We'll say hello to Connor Riley here. Kroger Fresh Take with him. And I was just talking about the Georgia-Mississippi State game. We'll get there in a moment, including Kirby Smart and the Georgia players' perspective on that. Connor having been in Athens yesterday. Prior to that, Connor, uh, I know you had to watch the uh, Georgia-Tennessee game from afar on Saturday. uh, But nonetheless, you've already had plenty to say about it. You've certainly written plenty about it at DogNation.com. When it's all said and done, what is the, I guess, sort of lone takeaway from you for the dogs against the Vols? What did we learn about UGA? How will the day be remembered in your mind? On Thursday, this Georgia team, the culture that Kirby Smart has built, this is the both physical and mentally toughest team in the country, and that makes you really, really hard to beat. Uh, uh, BA, I'm sure you've seen the movie Swingers, correct? Of course. So, you know, in that movie, there's the famous scene where they're playing NHL 93, and uh, Vince Vaughn's buddy is saying, oh, the Kings, they're a finesse team. They've got Gretzky. Right. They're scoring all these points. And Vaughn just keeps asking, hey, I'm going to make Gretzky's head bleed. That is essentially what George is doing to teams at this point in time. You saw that on Saturday against Tennessee. This is still a very good Tennessee team, and a team that has a very real shot of making the playoffs and certainly winning out and finishing the season on 11-1. 
And at no point after, say, this third, Georgia's third drive of the game on Saturday, they have any chance of winning. They went out there and really just punked Tennessee from the jump. And it's a credit to what Georgia has built over the course of years. And I think it was very telling. And Kirby's first comments to Jenny Dell of CBS right after the game, he mentioned that Georgia didn't bring anyone in via the transfer portal. That's a very strange time to make that comment. But I think the win on Saturday said so much about the culture and what Kirby Smart has built on Saturday. It was not just a win because obviously Georgia had more talented players and a better coaching staff. It was a thorough win because of what they have built over the course of years. And when you juxtapose that with what has happened to Alabama, not just on Saturday but over the course of the season, I think it makes the win and what Georgia is right now even more eye-opening. And I don't know if you agree with this or not, but like one of the things I've talked about from Saturday's game is this wasn't like Notre Dame in 2019. That was a festival of sorts. People wanted to see the light show. There was a genuine curiosity of, oh, this team from outside the region is coming to Athens. And yet two years prior to that, Notre Dame had showed Georgia a lot of hospitality. I think that Georgia fans genuinely kind of wanted to reciprocate some of that with Notre Dame. That was a little bit of a festival of college football. On Saturday, there was kind of an edginess to the day. And I think Georgia fans were in a very bad mood. I think the team was in a very bad mood. I think part of this is, while I do not believe that Georgia is hated by the media, I do believe that they have been unfairly disregarded coming into the game uh, prior to the start of the season, which everybody seemed to agree they were clearly worse than Alabama and Ohio State. And one of the things we've tried to sort of seek out is, why is it that Georgia's always having to prove itself? And I think part of this is, is that Georgia is very, very physical at a time in which a lot of people think the physicality should be taken out of the game. And Georgia's complimentary football at a time in which superstars are being sold. You know, it's not Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee Vols. It's like 30-something guys for Georgia that are really important. And people don't embrace that level of complexity. They would prefer simplicity. And you can't simply sell Georgia in just one sentence. That a lot of the stuff that is making Georgia great is also making Georgia harder for some people to understand. And that's why there was seemingly a one-way street of love for the Vols going into this game on Saturday and a little bit of a one-way street away from Georgia prior to the season beginning, I believe. Do you agree? I definitely think this Georgia team felt slighted on Saturday and and that fed into the performance that they had. You know, Stetson Bennett obviously – we don't need to rehash why he has been slighted so many times, but he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and the team takes after that. I think Keely Ringo felt slighted after what you know his name got dragged through the mud, and not just by national media. There were Georgia fans that were very critical of him even before he made the big interception on Saturday. So it is a, a, a team-wide noticing that hey, you know we're a really talented team. We've won every game we've played this season, and yet 92% of the public money comes in on Tennessee last week. Uh, every regular analyst except for Luke Bryan picks Tennessee to win in Athens on college game day. I mean, it was everybody in the world lining up to pick Tennessee, and Georgia just frankly went out there and made them look very, very dumb. And, and so I do think that this is a Georgia team that does it plays at its best when it is most publicly doubted. And it's going to be interesting going forward. It doesn't really seem like Georgia's going to be doubted in the same sort of manner, you know, maybe the Ohio State game, if they go out and have an impressive performance against Michigan, maybe everyone will jump on them going into the national, uh, into the college football playoff there. But I, I think the win on Saturday really gave Georgia and earned them the benefit of the doubt. And it's really interesting. What I, when, it, when the rain started coming down there in the second half, I was getting flashbacks to the 2015 Alabama game, really the end of the Mark Rick tenure there in Athens. That was just a game where big game, big game feel, it obviously rained a lot more in that Alabama game than it did that Tennessee game. 
But just there was an anger, I think, in the fan base that day that stewed and stewed and stewed, stemming from just getting punked on their home field. Well, I think on Saturday those rain demons were taken out on Tennessee where uh, from what I saw from people in the crowd and from people I've talked to that were there in the stadium, they were having a ton of fun in the rain, and the rain actually oh, amplified yeah. the experience they had there in the second half. And, and, and the image I'll take away from Saturday is that last sack that Hedden Hooker had. He's just on their final offensive play. He's on his hands and his knees, and his head is hanging in defeat. And he just looks like a guy that had just gotten the tar beat out of him like a pinata for four straight hours. And the Georgia fans and players were just so thrilled with what they had done on Saturday. I, th- I think a lot of what you're saying is absolutely right and absolutely true there. Now you turn the page to Mississippi State. We heard from Kirby Smart on our show a little bit earlier, and obviously you were there and talked to some Georgia players there yesterday too. You know, Connor, if I go back to before the season began and when folks would ask me, hey, what's the toughest game that Georgia's going to play this season? I almost always said at Mississippi State. Maybe sometimes I would also mention at Kentucky, but this was the game that probably probably loomed as the biggest test for Georgia. Now, we've learned a lot since then that maybe we didn't know at the beginning of the year, but I have to kind of circle back to what was it about this game, this spot that kind of stood out to me back during the summer and how much of that might still be true and I have to say that I think maybe some of that does still linger I'm a fan I want Georgia to win and on this particular Saturday Connor I'll be happy with a win I'm not looking for style points I'm not looking for a beauty contest I'm not looking for anything I'm looking for a W uh so what do you think about Georgia Mississippi State is this still the kind of challenging game that someone like me said that it would be before the season began? I, I do think it's going to be a challenge uh, for a number of reasons. I, I think this is a Mississippi State team that certainly with their defense is more physical than what you saw from Tennessee a week ago. And, and while it's not necessarily a statistically great Mississippi State defense, uh, they're going to want to hit you. And uh, let's go back to that 2020 game where, I mean, you and I know some of the behind-the-scenes details that was a Mississippi State team that maybe had 35 yeah. possible available players in that game, and they really took it to Georgia. I think Georgia finished that day with like seven rushing yards. So this is a team that they're going to want to be super physical with you, and I'll be interested in seeing how Georgia responds and plays to that. And look, it's going to be loud there on Saturday. They're going to have those cowbells ringing, and I know they nearly gave that game away against Auburn in a similar sort of setup last week, but you got the number one team in the country coming off a very emotional win. I don't think Georgia's going to be in a letdown spot here, but this is a Mississippi State team that's going to bring it. And for everyone saying, oh, well, they shut out Tennessee and limited them a week ago, Kirby Smart talked about this yesterday. This Mississippi State passing offense is wildly different from what Tennessee wants to do. Tennessee wants to go downfield, take deep shots, and Georgia said, we're going to play man-to-man coverage and feel really good about how our corners are going to hold up against your wide receivers. Go back and watch the 2020 LSU game if you think you can just man up on Mississippi State, Mike Leach, and Will Rogers, because you cannot do that against this offense. You're going to have to sit in zone, and you're going to have to tackle well. Now, while I do think Keely Ringo, Kamari Lasseter, Malachi Starks, who I've got a story coming up on, who I thought played really, really well again on Saturday, if Georgia's able to tackle well, I think they're going to limit what Mississippi State is going to be able to do. But this is a very different team than what we saw against Tennessee, and while even though they like to throw the ball around a lot, I think that's going to present an interesting challenge. And look, the last time Georgia went on the road in a night game environment in the SEC, they needed two fourth-quarter touchdowns to come away with a 26-22 win over a Missouri team that's very much just okay. This Mississippi State team is better than that Missouri team is. So Georgia's going to have to play better this Saturday 
on the road against Mississippi State. I want to ask you a long-range question about the rest of the season here in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks, this is our Kroger Fresh Day with Connor Riley here today on Dog Nation Daily. And obviously this month with our friends at Kroger, we're excited about Kroger Chef Jr. It's return, the guided kid cooking experience where your children get a chance to learn exactly how food's prepared and get to participate in that process, which makes them obviously uh, more excited and engaged about eating healthier foods for them and, or just really good tasting foods like this month. How about the festive fall muffins? What a great way to kind of roll into the holiday season. Uh, our friends at Kroger are letting your kids do that with the Kroger Chef Jr. here this month. So you got uh, an opportunity to do this coming up on November 12th, which is really fun. It's a 30-minute class. It's just $7 per child. And in addition to cooking the food item, you're also going to get an apron and a patch, a chef's hat, a recipe card and box, and a mini muffin pan. So go to KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. KrogerChefJr.com. That's the word junior spelled out, J-U-N. I O R for a lot more on that today. So, Connor, let's look ahead to, as we're calling it right here, go for two and 22, the chance to win another national championship. And it's really interesting how the landscape has changed around George. Alabama seemingly eliminated. Clemson, hard to take them seriously after what they did against Notre Dame on Saturday. Ohio State struggled against Northwestern. I still think the Buckeyes are really good, but they're now kind of facing more doubters and maybe comparison like a team like Michigan they've uh faced before you think about a scenario for georgia here where the playoff could be a michigan team that that georgia beat up badly a year ago an oregon team that georgia beat up badly to start this season a tennessee team that georgia just handled uh, an lsu team the sec championship that's already lost twice it's really amazing how the path suddenly got way clearer for Georgia on like one Saturday and obviously nothing's guaranteed here and Georgia's got to still continue to play well we understand all of that but boy uh (laughs) it was quite an interesting Saturday for Georgia as far as its national championship future might have been concerned do you agree with that yeah and this is a thing where again this is a sport where it is played predominantly by kids 18 to 22 23 years old i know the pandemic has raised the age that some of these kids are in terms of how long they're playing college football as warren brinson told uh hinden hooker on instagram by the way (laughs) yeah uh hinden hooker you know as much love as he gets no one seems to bring up the fact that he's only like four months younger than stetson bennett yeah um i i think you know it's a team where it's a sport where, again, like the biggest thing and the hardest thing is just getting players to play consistent on a week-in, week-out basis when they are that young and they haven't seen as much. And that's the most impressive thing about Georgia. You know, I think other than other than the Missouri game this season, this Georgia team has been incredibly consistent over the course of the four quarters when they step on the field. And so, and sure, you can mention maybe third quarter of the Kent State game, third quarter of the Florida game as well if you want to be nitpicky here, but... Over the course of the entire season, Georgia has just been the most consistent team week in, week out. You know, we know what they're getting from their defense. We know what we're going to get from this offense where they're going to blow you away for, you know, a solid first half and then decide, all right, are we going to keep scoring or are we just going to rest and, and get our, and try and get this game over with, get healthy and get to the next week? Because we're not playing to win every single week. We're playing to win on the last game of the season. And, and Georgia, I think, is certainly well positioned for that. Now, you know, I have to continue to take care of business and, Watching LSU these past couple of weeks, while yes, they do have losses to Tennessee and to Florida State, you know, that's a game where, because there's a very real scenario where if LSU wins this week and Alabama wins this week, LSU wins the SEC West and punches their ticket to Atlanta. Jaden Daniels is playing really, really well right now. And, and that's really maybe the first game where you look at and you look at Georgia's schedule and be like, Man, that's a game where Georgia would really love to have Nolan Smith because what he does in terms of chasing guys sideline to sideline and his athleticism, 
you know, Robert Beal's a really good player, and it does sound like George is going to have him this week. Chaz Chambliss and Marvin Jones, I thought, played well when called upon on Saturday. But in that SEC championship game against an LSU team, which I think we can allow ourselves to look ahead to yeah. as it stands right now, how Georgia goes about defending Jaden Daniels is going to be really, really interesting in that spot. And this is an LSU team that I, I think we've seen get better over the course of the season. They've come a long way since losing to Florida State in the first week of the season. And so, I, again, you mentioned Alabama, you know, what happened with them. Clemson clearly taking a step back for really, I think, the second year in a row, and even though the record is better, this team is not any better than they were a season ago. This is a Georgia team that has just, even after all the losses they suffered from last year's team in terms of personnel, has been able to maintain and stay consistent with the Georgia standard at a time when Alabama, uh, Clemson, even you know LSU, a recent national championship when it went down and up, it seems like right now. Georgia's ability to stay consistent is what has made them the most impressive team in college football. Connor, great stuff. Thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from you at dognation.com. May even try to connect with you on video later on tonight, depending on how this playoff ranking shakes out. And obviously uh, back here again very soon on Dog Nation Daily as well. Yep, as always, it was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Three. Yeah, very interesting, man. I, I, listen, I still think Ohio State's an incredibly dangerous team. Um, I know they're kind of getting their share of criticism right now because the Northwestern game didn't go particularly well uh, last Saturday. But you know, I, I feel the same way about Ohio State coming off that game as I would about maybe Georgia coming off a Missouri game or something like that. Sometimes you just sort of shrug. The standard isn't perfection. The standard is excellence. There's no doubt that Ohio State's an excellent team. But right now, that's really the only team that I would put in kind of that excellent category as a potential threat to UGA. In every other single instance, you're talking about a, a game in which Georgia ought to be expected to win. The Ohio State's a fight for the ages, maybe. Everything else, though, that Georgia potentially could play is one of those games where it sort of feels like you've seen Georgia thrive against an opponent like that, or at least that particular opponent in the very near past. So it could be a very interesting uh, discussion here in the weeks to come as we talk about go for two in 22 is a very real possibility and by the way speaking of real possibilities also a real possibility for you to enjoy a royal caribbean cruise vacation y'all know i've got uh listen i've already got a handful of cruises here on the uh agenda coming up one coming in december one coming up in february obviously the dog nation cruise coming up in april and then yesterday i had a very real conversation with the possibility of hey maybe another royal caribbean cruise could be added to the upcoming agenda so I obviously love it. My family loves it. We think your family and whoever your special someone is, uh, you would love it there as well. In fact, if you want to try one for the first time, a great suggestion would be to try uh, Independence of the Seas with us coming up this April. It's the Dog Nation Cruise. You go to RoyalDogs.com, find out more about this. That's RoyalDogs.com. Or give Jessica Slater a call. She's a travel agent specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean to get all this booked and uh, handle all of the logistics for the big Dog Nation Cruise, the second ever Dog Nation Cruise. Give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And she'll tell you all about the big events happening on Independence of the Seas, leaving April 24th out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, Perfect Day, Coco Cay, doing all the great things you can do on board Independence of the Seas. And also some of those special Dog Nation-only events that make a uh, Dog Nation cruise so much fun. We had a great NFL draft party last year. We're going to do another one of those again to kind of cap off the week it's like the final night of the cruise that's really perfect so we'll do all of that once you be a part of it and if you're watching on video you also see some uh scenes there from the upcoming icon of the seas it'll debut january of 2024 going out of miami it'll be a completely new standard in the cruise industry and that's what royal caribbean's always doing they're sort of pushing that envelope and making 
Uh, the crews experience better and better and bigger and bigger and grander and grander with each and every ship they introduce into the fleet. And that's one of the things we love about our friends at Royal Caribbean. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC here, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And let's start with Alabama running back commit Justice Haynes. Could not help but notice Jeff Sintel had a very interesting blurb regarding Haynes and a recent update at DogNation.com after Haynes visited Georgia for the Tennessee game on Saturday. I'm just going to read you here a couple of sentences. Jeff saying of justice, I don't know what's going to happen here. I'm not sure anyone can craft a credible paragraph that says they do. Haynes has been a well-thought-out and responsible young man in our many interactions over the years. He's not a waffler, and yet I can't help but feel that Georgia helped itself with its latest visit. He says you had to wonder how a national recruit and UGA legacy like Haynes thinks about what's happening in Alabama. Obviously, as we talked about, not going particularly well, and the environment on Saturday for Georgia couldn't have been better, and his father, Veron, getting a huge eruption cheer when the hobnail boot play was shown on video. We'll talk to Jeff more about this on Friday. Jeff will have his own show coming up on Wednesday before the hedges. But the idea that Georgia game could have been a uh, a little bit of a momentum changer for Haynes or another chapter in the recruitment of a guy like, say, Damon Wilson. Very, very interesting. Stay close to Dog Nation for a lot more on that. Alabama plays Ole Miss on Saturday. Ole Miss is a pretty good team this year. And Alabama is obviously likely to be in a bad mood after having lost LSU. But right now you sort of wonder, is Alabama good enough to do anything when it's feeling ornery? However, Lane Kiffin doing what some coaches do, kind of padding up the opponent they're about to play. He was talking about the things that are being said of Nick Saban, I guess from Paul Feinbaum in particular. And one of the things that Kiffin said is he, I guess, texted Feinbaum and said, that you know you're giving uh you know we talk about rat poison from time to time that what uh Feinbaum was actually giving Saban according to Kiffin was goat fuel basically making you know the goat fired up to come back and be better than ever and part of that's just related to the fact that Ole Miss is about to play Alabama and so Lane Kiffin's going to be careful with some of this kind of stuff you don't want to give too much extra motivation to your opponent but I've also said this many times before Lane Kiffin pays a lot of deference to Nick Saban. Lane Kiffin is very subservient to Saban. It's one of the reasons why Saban, I think, seems to like Kiffin so much is because Kiffin clearly sees himself as kind of an understudy to Saban, whereas guys like Kirby Smart have sort of seen themselves as an equal to Nick Saban. Jimbo Fisher kind of the same way. It hasn't always worked out well for everybody who's tried to go against Saban, but clearly Kirby Smart does not want to be seen as underneath Nick Saban, whereas I think in Lane Kiffin's case, he's more than happy to be viewed that way which is why and I'm being very serious here. If I am Auburn, I would think twice about hiring Lane Kivett as my coach. In fact, I probably would not want to hire Kivett as my coach. If I had the choice of a guy like, say, Hugh Freeze, who, you know, baggage aside, and obviously that's a hard thing to push aside, but if I had a chance to hire a guy like Hugh Freeze, who's beaten Saban twice, who's kind of gone head-to-head on the recruiting trail, no matter how Freeze may have won those battles, he still won some of those battles that this is to me a guy that's a lot more willing to embrace being a nemesis to Saban, whereas Lane Kiffin, I think, sort of likes the idea of sort of treating Nick Saban like he's a sort of forever mentor. And I don't think that's what you want from the Auburn coach. So when I hear Lane Kiffin saying these kinds of things, it makes me wonder, what does Auburn think about this? Because a lot of folks have kind of wondered, maybe Auburn would like to have Lane Kiffin as its next coach. But not bending the knee so frequently to to Nick Saban, that's just not what the Auburn coach needs to do. And I think the Kiffin does that way too much. Uh, Speaking of the Auburn job, Dan Lanning was asked about that yesterday. And I guess there had been some online chatter about this. A lot of this kind of coming from more like sort of fan-centric places, not necessarily robust sourcing on some of this. But nonetheless, uh, Dan Lanning made it very clear that he says the grass is very green here. Obviously, a kind of a reference to the sometimes the grass being greener other places. 
Uh, Dan Lanning says he doesn't necessarily view it that way. I think most people sort of took this as sort of a strong statement that um, that he is happy at Oregon and not right now making himself a candidate for the Auburn job, saying that he'd like to be in Eugene for as long as they would have him. So I guess that's enough for right now. There has been some discussion of exactly how much Auburn wants to pay for its next coach. They clearly pay a lot for buyouts, but how much do they want to pay for employment here? I guess there's some debate about how much Auburn's really ponying up to make its next coach and in some respects how long of a contract they're willing to give with longer contracts the likes of which Jimbo Fisher and Kirby Smart have a little bit more in vogue as of late that's probably something to also watch there as well and then one more thing I saw where Sam Pittman the Arkansas coach has suspended a couple of players I guess they had an altercation uh, after the game on Saturday against Liberty and this will give me a springboard to say something I don't love saying but I have to admit I believe is true I'm a big fan of Pittman at Arkansas and a big believer in what they have been doing there in Fayetteville. I think if you're Arkansas right now, you got to be really careful that some of the momentum that you've had in the first couple of years for Pittman on the job, you may have a hard time maintaining. They have played a very tough schedule. Their non-conference schedule, in addition to playing the SEC West, has just been really, really tough. And so I hope that whatever magic they once had, they find a way to recapture because I like Pittman. I'd love to see him succeed. But admittedly, you know, maybe the 2022 season not going as well there in Fayetteville as they would have hoped will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And great guest to bring on our show right now, a guy that I know had to be thrilled with what he saw on Saturday. His former team getting as big a win as we've seen Georgia get there between the hedges. It's Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily. Jake, I'm sure you wish you could have been there, but I'm sure you were also enjoying watching it. What did it feel like to watch the dogs go out and get that win against Tennessee on Saturday? Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Man, it was awesome to watch the dogs take care of business on Saturday, set the standard for college football. Um, personally, myself, I thought it was a little, uh, uh, just a little bit of poetic justice. You know, they, they rank us at three, put Tennessee at one, um, and then just to go and take care of business at home. The crowd got into it. Uh, the defense played extremely well um, and really just firing on all cylinders. I'm curious, as a player who understands the game plan and kind of understands all that goes on both sides of the ball to winning a game like this, do you think the Georgia players knew? I mean, do you think they knew how dialed in they were that day, that that was really clicking for them kind of going into the game? Or is it one of those things that you're just never really quite sure of until it actually takes place? Did you ever have a moment when you're like, our game plan is so solid today that I know we're just ready for whatever comes our way? Well, you know, let's talk about game plan. You know, I think – which is going to put together a good game plan, but it's all about executing that game plan uh, each and every Saturday. Um, and we had the guys to go out and execute the game plan, had guys in front to disrupt the pocket, had the DBs to take care of business, and, and basically lock those guys down. Now they did have two opportunities to hit two uh, deep balls that they missed that, that could have changed a little bit of the flow of the game, uh, but, but didn't do so. Uh, Georgia looked like we came in poised, uh, had been there before, the experience. Um, and Tennessee was their first big game, not at home. Um, and they just they couldn't find the rhythm, couldn't get anything going. And I mean, I don't even know if they could hear each other talk on yeah. the sideline. It was so loud there. How about Stetson Bennett in particular? What he does at the beginning of the game, the rushing touchdown, the strike to McConkey, really a beautiful throw to a Marcus Rosby Jackson on that touchdown. You know, you beautiful. know the quarterback beautiful. position. Uh, you know, what did you feel like watching Stetson performing at such a high level? Yeah, I just thought his performance was, was solid. 
Um, I, when when is he going to get the the real respect? I think he deserves. I mean, um, you got Bryce Young at Alabama who gets all the, the praise and the glory over there, but um, I mean, Stetson's doing as good, if not better, uh, on a better football team. So, um, you know, I, I think Stet played phenomenally well. He took care of the football. He he dished it where he needed to go. He took his shots uh, when he needed to take shots. And um, man, it, it's just, you just can't say enough about Stet the way he played and. Um, to, to go out, put his body on the line, die for the pylon like he did. Um, that's just that's just what the guys want to see from the quarterback of their team as well. We're watching uh, on our video right now the image of Stetson holding the phone to his ears or pretending to hold the phone to his ears. <laughs> did you ever have anything yeah. like this happen to your career or hear about this to somebody else where, you know, somebody gets a hold of that cell phone, it's probably not that hard to do if you really want to try to do that and, you know, right. kind of, you know, ring you up all night long or something like that. I mean, pretty clearly in Stetson's case, uh, you know, that was a motivation for him because he let him know a couple of times after those touchdowns. Uh, as a player yourself, I mean, I'm sure you may have encountered something like that. Yeah, if you don't know Stet, stuff like that really gets him going. He loves being the underdog. He loves just just that extra, just whatever it is. We'll call it stuff, just to get him motivated. Yeah. He loves that stuff. He feeds off of it. Uh, but myself personally, I've definitely gotten my fair share of, uh, of a few bad messages and phone calls and print calls here and there. But but nothing where. A, uh, a fan base gets all on it together and, and calls me up all through the night. So I sleep with my phone on silent, so good, good luck with me. <laughs> right there with you on that. And as you said, it's like after that first rushing touchdown, he gets up and he shows that. And then after the throw to McConkey, um, he turned around and like where the, like the sort of pocket of Tennessee students and fans were in the corner of the West end zone. And he just pointed right at him. And it's like one of those things that like for some players that might take them out of their game. But in Stetson's case, it seemed yeah. to like bring him into the game even more. He really seems to feed off some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, he, he does. He, he loves it. Um, I just, he's just, he, there's always something to be, you know, somebody out, somebody messing with that. And he's just dealt with it his whole life, and he, he knows how to deal with it. He knows how to take it, feel it, and use it for good um, and, and get the best play out of himself uh, on Saturdays. And so it's just it's, it's fun to see. I love the, the charismatic way he, he does it. And it's, I, know, I, know the, I know the guys on the sidelines feed off of it as well. So I'm curious about this, and I didn't play, but this is always what I've imagined must be like the hardest thing to do in college football, where – Okay, last Saturday, you're in a stadium where everybody loves you and everybody's patting you in the back and telling you how great you are. And this Saturday, now it's a Saturday night, you're going to Starkville. It's a place that most of these Georgia players, I guess all of them, have never really been before. Cowbells are going to be ringing. All of a sudden, everybody hates you. And we saw in the, the Missouri game how quickly that crowd kind of changed that game for the worse for Georgia. You know, yep. How do you process all that if you're Georgia? How do you maintain the right level of focus? And how do you get ready to kind of go do in a hostile environment what you did on Saturday when you had the win at your back with the crowd and all the things it was doing for you? Exact opposite this Saturday against Mississippi State. How do the players handle that, you think? Yeah, it's just you got to switch gears. Um, the march of really great football teams is, is winning in a bunch of different ways. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's going to start at practice. Uh, Kirby's going to dial that crowd noise up. He's going to have some cowbells going. He's going to make it as realistic as possible. Um, and he's going to get them dialed in um, and not not thinking too much off the win uh, this past Saturday. And uh, he, he's he's going to nip that in the bud real quick. Hey guys, great job! Uh, but this is a new week, uh, and basically the college football playoff starts now. So we got to keep winning, keep winning. 
um, and take care of business on Saturday. Yeah, because, I mean, you had big wins in your career. I'm thinking about, like, say, Florida in 2018 or 2019. These are some, some really big wins when they came, and yet you do have to kind of get right back at it and go back to work again. Was it hard to do that? Was it hard to maintain what coaches sort of say is like a 24-hour rule? Is it hard to sort of turn the page when you just had such an emotional experience? Yeah, I, the, the emotional ones, you, you use the word emotional, the emotional ones are, are tougher to do, um, but I, I think nobody does a better job of, of reeling in the focus than Coach Smart does uh, for his players um, going into the week because he, he, you, you treat it every week the same, a high level of intensity coming in. Um, you know, I, I think when you do that each and every week, it starts in training camp and then goes throughout the season. So when you continue to do that over and over and over again, you just train your mind, you train your body, um, to just know how to do it. Um, and I think those guys are experienced, they're poised, they know what they're doing. Um, they have, and they got some, I would say, vets on the team who played in a lot of big football games. So, um, I, I don't see it being an issue at all. Jake, great stuff. Thank you for being here. I'm uh, glad to hear your thoughts on a big day for Georgia. We're always very curious of your opinion, and we'll look forward to hopefully getting a chance to hear from you again very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Brandon. Good stuff there from Georgia quarterback Jake Crom, a guy who was a big part of this program for a long time and now furthering an NFL dream. We're obviously really proud for him on that and really, really grateful for his time joining us here today. Also grateful for our friends at the Durham Law Group there as well, not just because they're a part of what we do here on our program, but also because they provide a great service for so many of you. If you've been hurt or injured, accident on the job, something like that, if something has happened to you that's kind of wronged you, well, you want to be made right again. That's where our friends at the Durham Law Group can step up and do great work for you because they don't just practice personal injury law, they define it. What that means is They've committed to saying no fees, no expenses for you unless you win. If you get something out of the situation, then at that point in time, Durham Law Group will get something out of the situation. But prior to that, that's not what they want. They want to support you and try to make you whole again, get you made right, and get you what you deserve if you've been hurt or injured in an accident. So give them a call, 844-4-GA-HURT or uh, online at georgiahurt.com. One more time, phone number, 844-4-GA-HURT or the website online spelled out, georgiahurt.com. Check out our friends at the Durham Law Group today. All right, total confession here. Um, We probably have the best collection of golden shoes we've ever had kind of in the queue to be shown and it's one of those things where you sort of only have time for so many per day so give me a couple of days here so we can see continue to sort of share all of these as it relates to uh what was just an unforgettable day in athens on saturday folks continue to celebrate on all that and we're obviously really really thrilled with the uh the, the great display that's out there in fact some of you even made your own sort of customized videos uh, as far as the golden shoe stuff goes in fact i want to show you one of these right now i think this is absolutely uh tremendous uh, if you're listening to radio podcast uh, you know kind of a borrowed scene from a movie where like the little tennessee creature kind of hops up there on the uh a spot there for a while and it's the college football playoff and tennessee sort of thinks it has its moment in the sun but then pretty soon before you know it uh gonna get bumped right off that ledge and not a part of that anymore and that's kind of exactly kind of the way some of this has gone and gone down i don't know if we have the credit we can share for jack zach johnson yeah so zach johnson shared this with us his wife i guess made this it's a really good video very well done and uh it's worth kind of hearing the whole thing it's uh it's really good stuff so we've gotten some great submissions there on all of that and all of this setting up for what we believe is go for two in 22 in fact if you want to show the world you believe that's what georgia's going to be doing go for two here in 22 and then you can go to uh, the top of the page of dognation.com and click the link and you can get your own go for two in 22 
t-shirt to let everybody know college football playoffs coming up sec championship could be coming up the chance to own the east coming up on saturday there as well all of that could be going down here it's the mission to be on go for two in 22 and you can get your go for two in 22 t-shirt from the dog nation store right now so uh, get involved get it going and you can be a part of all of that so make sure you check that out today and by the way even while george is on the mission of go for two and 22 still a mind towards those lousy stinking gators in fact we'll give you a gatorator countdown remind them that 354 days from right now we'll be back in Jacksonville for the cocktail party again beating up on those lousy stinking gators again we'd love to tell you about that that's our gatorator countdown we are go for two and 22 and we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down I'll take your comments here. And I got a great one from Jim Dog 85, who I think is really on to something. He says, I, I thought that one of the big plays in winning against Tennessee was the 70 plus yard punt. They got stranded at the Tennessee one yard line in the east end zone, which is a, kind of the close side of the stadium. He says, we need to come up with a nickname for that end of the stadium. He could maybe call it the graveyard because that's where opponents hopes and dreams go to die. And it also relates to the cemetery just outside the stadium across the tracks. He says the closed east end has to be the loudest place on earth with the student section on one side along with the Redcoats, no less, and the alumni section on the other. He says Tennessee was totally flummoxed trying to call plays in that environment with multiple false starts. The dogs should have had a safety, but the refs took it away. He says we saw the same thing last year when Arkansas was backed up in the east end. The result was a block punt. Time and time again, the closed end zone has been, as he says, closed for business to teams thinking they can beat the dogs. This is not to say that the west end zone isn't loud too. However, it just doesn't have the same number of fans to create the noise. The west end also has a different purpose with the locker room and the recruiting site is the east end zone just needs a nickname jim dog i think this is an incredible point i really do because the west end zone sort of is the west end zone because you know obviously a lot has been done to enhance that part of it and it's the pretty side of the stadium the east end zone is sort of like the business side of the stadium and now that the tennessee moment after the punt and the arkansas moment from a year ago kind of happened right there in the same spot I really think you might be on to something there because it is louder on that side. The The noise just kind of bounces around there. That one, it's a larger student section that's down there. You know, you have, you have a couple of different pockets of sort of student fandom. You have the one, you have students in the West end zone, but you have a larger, you know, collection of students in that sort of East end zone side right there, you know, kind of across the field from the alumni side, you have just a larger pocket of students. And it is incredibly loud, and we have seen two top ten opponents, in this case the number one team according to the CFP, totally wilt under the pressure in that moment. Thinking about a nickname for that spot, I think you may be onto something. Let's think more about that because I think you really, really are kind of zeroing in on something that has proven to be very important for UGA. That's outstanding. So thanks for being here for our podcast, Cool Down Today. Find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. I've had the AC on uh, a lot in my house the last few days. But pretty soon, winter will be here for good. And when it does get here, you're going to want to make sure your heating system is tuned up and ready to go. So if somebody's told you you need to replace that old furnace, let R.S. Andrews show you how you may be able to get some new life out of that old furnace. So rsandrews.com for a lot more on that. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then.